You are listening to Birdsong by Verna A. Ringlander as part of the Curious Works of Verna A. Ringlander podcast series. We will begin right after this. We were being pursued mercilessly. The last door we found was itself glass, along a wall of glass in what looked like a lobby, one I hadn't seen in nearly 14 years back when I arrived. It was the entrance where I first came inside these doors, frightened and alone, and little, and looking for my parents, but only seeing strange adults in uniforms, and the faces of other scared little children my age and older. It all came to me in a flash, and I recognized it for what it was, my old story, here and gone in one second as Orev pulled me out the final glass door and into a hot, wet, terrible wind as my first breath of outside air in nearly all of my life. We could see nothing ahead of us, but we ran and ran and ran. We came to a fence and Orev quickly scampered over it, and not being as graceful as him, my footing slipped, my grasp failed, and I tumbled from the top of the fence over to the other side, landing hard on my shoulder into a puddle of wet, dirty sand and gravel, a cloud of blackness, horrible blackness on the horizon, revealed itself between gusts of rain and dust, the air feeling like warm mud crashing against dry sand and boiling hot air. We ran from it, yet somehow also into it, the darkness, as fast as our legs would take us, just as we had dreamed. We could see nothing, but we kept running and running, and then my hand slipped, sweat and rain making it slick, my fatigue and confusion ripping me apart from Orev's grip with the force of another gust of wind, ripping him out of view, pulling me into a dark confusion where I stood all alone. Orev! I screamed. The howl of the storm answered. It groaned and moaned and opened its hot mouth to swallow me. A gust of dry sand slapped my body sideways and I screamed again, Orev! Orev! He didn't answer. Storms meant death. They took no prisoners. 
They spared no souls. They killed everyone. They took my parents, my big brother, my aunties, my grandparents. They took our whole entire house. They took my village, little by little, a simple and innocent collective full of people who pinched my cheeks and fed me bits of fruit as they smiled. One storm took the trees that grew that fruit all at once. Storms took everything from me, from everyone. And so my own story found me in the storm as I wept and looked around for any sign of Orev, of camp, of anyone who could help as the blackness grew near. I cried. I collapsed in screaming anguish and horror. Orev, I cried one last time and then with brute force, a roar of an engine rolled up to me and an enormous arm grabbed me, thrusting me into a vehicle I quickly realized was some sort of tank driven by an orderly, manned by an angry and frantic guard who had just swept me out of the storm. What the hell were you idiot kids thinking? There's a storm coming and you're trying to run away? The tank rolled up to camp where emergency lights blinked through sheets of salty rain and icy hail, and up to the gate. Orev! Where is Orev? I asked the angry guard as the gate opened automatically, then swung wickedly and bent backwards as the wind caught it. Probably dead, kid. What you both did was a very bad idea, a horrible decision. He's likely dead, and you're lucky to be alive. Now go, take shelter, now! The guard had me firmly by my elbow as he kicked open door after door, down flight after flight of stairs, the same as Orev and I minutes ago had just climbed as we escaped and he thrust me inside each door he opened, then roughly dragged me down the final flight of stairs and pushed me into the main hall just as the doors were being sealed. I searched the room frantically for any sign of Orev's face, perhaps drenched as I was, yet luminous in the light of how much I loved him in a way that differentiated him from any crowd, and hopefully alive and safe there, just as I was. But there was no sign of him. He wasn't there. He was still outside. He was, as the guard said, very likely dead. A storm had come. We tried to face it. We ran right into it. 
like it would take us away from there, but it took Orev from me instead, just as it had taken everything and left me here, just as it had so long ago before. Counselor Fleev seized with anger as she looked at me. The masters and mistresses all clustered together, dressed in their whites, stared over at my dirty, dripping uniform, so wet and muddy it looked black, like an orderly's. How dare you, Fleev growled. How absolutely foolish of you. Where's Orev? Have you seen him? Nothing else mattered to me. Not my appearance. Not the blaring pain in my shoulder from my fall from atop of the fence. No, Uvinda, I haven't. He's gone. He's not in here. He's out there in a storm. A real storm. And he's very likely dead. And your foolishness has killed him. She looked around to see a crowd of my bunkmates and campers of all ages gawking at me and at her as she dressed me down. Let this be a lesson to all of you. Imbalance is death. Imbalance is murder. This sort of selfishness that is fostered between people when they form bonds rips a hole in the community. Do you all see this? Do you understand? Her voice became panicked. Someone has likely died because of their lack of self-control. Let this be a lesson to you all. The whirring of the ventilation fans could not drown out the terrible sounds outside of breaking glass and objects hurtling into the walls and roof of our safe haven. Normally, in drills, that's when I would sing. That is when I would catch the tears of our newcomers and put the little ones on my knee. In drills, every time until recently, that is what I would do. As the storm swallowed our camp, and threatened us with its relentless and horrible sounds outside, I would open my mouth and only wailing would come out. I would open and close my eyes and the tears would form a sticky gauze around all that I saw. Emerging from nothingness and the nervous chattering of campers and the scowls of our authorities and the painful weeping I could not stop appeared the face of my nemesis, Jammy. Tears don't bring anyone back from the storm, Jammy said, mockingly. Remember, Uvi? That's what you said to me, my first night here. You said that no matter how many tears we cry, the storm won't give us our loved ones back. I remember so little of this moment. But I know I flew into midair at Jammy and throttled his neck.
causing him to fall backward into the wall of the giant room and bite his tongue severely, so that blood spurt from his nose and his mouth, and his eyes bulged, and my own eyes faded to complete darkness, like they were overcome by a storm of their very own. Jammy was fine and recovered as soon as the blood was cleaned from his face. I, however, was thrown into a cement pit where an orderly brought me one meal after another through a special window in the heavily locked door. The door also had a porthole through which I could see a light at all times that must have been electric but I pretended it was the round full moon and that it was always night and that Orev was just a few feet away in bunk 24 and I here in bunk 11 could see him if I craned my neck just right and blinked my eyes and fell asleep gazing at the grin on his sweet face. There was no knowing how much time had passed aside from the meals, which I assumed at first were three a day, at similar intervals to meals in the cafeteria hall. But after some time, and some wretched pangs of hunger, I started to wonder if they marked the days themselves, if they might only be coming to me once daily to feed me. I asked an orderly once if that were true, but she just glowered at me and slammed the little meal window shut. I endeavored to count the meals as if they were either days or if three of them counted as one day. I did my best to keep those two calendars in my mind for some time until neither of them made sense and all that I could surmise was that the meals were given to me at random, some three dozen of them, which could have meant just under two weeks, or sometime longer than a month, or any amount of time could have passed at all. I had no way of knowing. I found out later, it was two weeks that I was down there, gazing at the frosted glass full moon, day in and day out, not knowing the difference, waiting for any word of explanation, or the status of the buildings and grounds since the storm had passed, or that the door would open and I would exit it, and I would somehow hobble through my remaining year there, and turn 18 and walk out the exit doors as I would never be welcome to stay and continue under their employ unless perhaps I became an orderly. Maybe this is how I become an orderly, I wondered, pondering the years of hundreds of unhappy faces of those who'd set food down before me at tables 
and through windows of locked doors, and who grace the halls of our beloved camp, sweeping, mopping, never making eye contact, always looking empty and grim. That's how I felt in there, like life's continuation would be a matter of going through the motions, of not being able to pretend any joy, maintaining a facial expression that said exactly what it meant and told the truth of what I felt, which went from feeling every imaginable feeling to absolutely nothing. Another storm hit while you were down there. Counselor Fleave explained as she directed me back to my home at bunk 11. It did more damage than the first, but you were so far underground that you were safer than even we were in the hall. Isn't that interesting? I nodded. We're all glad to have our Uvi back here, aren't we? She gestured to me as she gazed about the room at the faces staring blatantly at me with huge questions on their minds. Bunk 11 was far too empty for far too long. Our newcomers keep asking whose bunk it is, and, well, we tell them it belongs to someone special, someone who cannot wait to meet them, someone who understands the balance we keep here at camp, someone who would definitely show you around if she were here, and will most certainly make up for lost time when she gets back. Isn't that right, Uvinda? I looked around for those new faces and saw more than a few I didn't recognize. We must have gotten truckloads of them since the storms. The bunkhouse was full of heaviness and sadness. Even Jammy wasn't playing now. Everyone was broken. Everyone had the telltale signs of raging against reality displayed on their faces for all to see. We all filed into breakfast oh so silently. We read evenly with measured voices at morning and afternoon readings. We obediently and calmly funneled into the main hall for way more frequent drills. And another storm. And a few more drills. Followed by another storm. They'd seem to get easier to predict. As I would start to feel hot. And I would break a cold sweat. And the air would feel oppressive and mean. And try to strangle me. And just as I was losing my breath to the still clench of the atmosphere, the siren would go off, and we would go down, down, down the stairs. After some time, I was well enough to sing again.